Welcome to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. So Liz. Yes. There's only one 80s memory we need to discuss as we open the show. Okay. Are you ready to feel old? I, I, okay, go ahead. 40 years ago, oh, November 30th, 1982, the greatest and best-selling album of the 80s, possibly of all time, culturally iconic, important album, was released November 30th, 1982. What is it? Oh, I don't know. I'm trying to Liz. think. I was... I was young. I was very young. You were like, my I may have had... age. We were in high school. No, I was 12. Whatever. So I was in junior high. And I probably liked really shitty music. Liz, so. the best-selling album, I, most iconic album of the 1980s. I, it's not Depeche Mode, but think of who it might be. What it might be. <laughs> Shut up. Oh, is it, like, is it like a Def Leppard album? No, Liz. Michael Jackson? Michael Jackson? Okay, if somebody said to you, Liz, what is one album that defines the 1980s, what would it be? There's too many. There's no. too many. I, There's I, I don't think I could pick one. I'm, I'm ashamed. Not- I really thought you would nail this immediately. I'm sorry. What? Just give it up. We're going to an hour where, where you berate me because I can't come up with I know answer. our listeners are screaming right now trying to tell you what the answer is. <laughs> The answer is is Thriller by Michael Jackson. Uh, I, okay, so I I did say Michael Jackson like at some point. So I did you I did, did say it was Michael Jackson. Must have been when I was sighing over you. Probably you couldn't hear it over your eye roll, like the sound of your eyes rolling. Um, that's a great album. Not gonna lie. That's so. What's your favorite Thriller memory? You know, here's the thing about Thriller that we'll never see again. We had Thriller. Our parents listened to Thriller. My grandparents had Thriller. Like, everyone of every age group and generation knew all the songs, tried to moonwalk, like, tried to replicate the Thriller video, the whole dance. Like, it was a time price, like, narrating at the end, you know? Yeah. It's sad because it's not just with um, with music like Thriller. It's we don't have anything in common anymore (laughs) with everybody. Right. There's not like one sort of cultural phenomenon that everybody shares. But you're right. I mean, everybody knew Michael Jackson. Everybody knew that his style. I mean, I remember. Um, you know, the boys in, in my junior high school, I was in Hebrew day school, but it didn't, even Hebrew day school was affected by Michael Jackson, <laughs> you know, had like the red leather studded jacket, you know, and the glo- one glove. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everybody knew that, um, but we just don't have that anymore. And plus the music now, I think the new mu- music these days is just horrible. So. It was a great but- album. So many great tracks. Of course, he really launched the video age even before Madonna did. So, you know, when there was going to be a new video, everybody was tuned into MTV to see what it was. You know, he collaborated on that album with, well, Eddie Van Halen, of course, on um, Beat It. And then 
Was that Paul McCarthy? Yeah. Paul McCarthy, their son. He did. Um, I don't think Pretty Young Thing is on there, but he did that with Paul McCartney, right? No, Pretty Young Thing is on there. Pretty it young. is? Okay. That's a, yeah, yeah. That's with Paul McCartney. There's um, Beat It, um, Billie Jean. The girl Isn't is Billie Jean on that? Billie Jean, Beat It, Wanna Be. I think I could name it. Like, Wanna Be Starting Something is a great song. Great. Great what song. What a great song. I still listen to that album today. I mean, I know Michael Jackson has taken a, has been canceled, I guess. Um, but you can't dispute his, his talent. I mean, really one of the goats, um, just no undoubtedly doubt. one of the goats for sure. My favorite song on that album though is Human Nature. I love that song. That's a great song. Another great, yeah, yeah. You know, you're right. It's the, There are a handful of albums, I think, throughout history where every single song on the album is fantastic and you can just listen to the whole album over and over again and that is one of the albums i totally um, agree i would say 1984 is another one but we'll oh, we're gonna get in a fight so already <laughs> already on my nerves you know what else is also pretty hate machine by nine inch nails that's no, it, a great album also oh, every song. i haven't listened to that in so long Every song on that album is excellent. I'm going to have so. to go with Pyromania. Of course, of course. We're going to see each other soon so we can listen to music together. We should do that <laughs> when we do our podcast out there in a couple weeks. We'll, will oh, we get in figure out how we get arrested for copyright infringement if we play our favorite, what, 80s song? I just don't think that we're famous enough for anyone to care if we violate That's their copyright. <laughs> I have 340,000 Twitter followers. I'm, we, come on. You're way more famous than me. I'm, I am not, I am not, but I, um, so we might, maybe we could, could just come ride on my coattails. That's okay. I'll ride on your coattails. And we could also use like the elevator music version of famous songs instead of the real famous songs. And then that way, um, you know, it's funny every time I go to, to Trader Joe's, Whenever I'm in Trader Joe's, the music is like some 80s awesome music, which I love. Like, I'll be in there. I'm in the frozen food aisle. And all of a sudden, She Sells Sanctuary by the Cult comes on. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. And then I'm like, I am sad because I'm so old that I'm like rocking out to great tunes in a grocery store. You know, I just feel like there's there's a message. And it's a sad one. (laughs) Do you ever notice that? Hence the 40th anniversary of Twitter. I, I'm I'm sorry, of Thriller. Thriller, not Twitter. Thriller. Ugh, that yeah. is so much. That is so long ago. Wow. All right. I don't feel I don't feel as old as I am. Do you? No, not at all. No. All right. Which, well, that's good. We're Gen Xers, so we're we're perpetually immature and never will grow up. That's right. No, we're that's not millennials. We're not going to take it. All right, so on to the serious business of the country's demise. Um, (laughs) We haven't been together in two weeks, so we have a lot to cover, but let's just stick with what's going on this week. So, Liz, let's get to the topic that we don't want to talk about, but we have to talk about for at least a minute, and that is the Mar-a-Lago dinner with Trump. Yee? Is that what, or is it yay? Kanye West. I guess yay. I don't, I don't know. Somebody, I saw somebody write 
I think it was Ann Coulter who called it the springtime for Hitler dinner, <laughs> like from the producers. And it just made me laugh. Okay, that's a good one. She has a way with words. Um, yeah, so there was a dinner. Um, apparently, Kanye, I just call him Kanye. Um, yeah. Kanye and Trump are texting buddies, they're friends, and they had made plans to have dinner. And Kanye brought two people with him. One was uh, Milo, the sort of infamous provocateur from Breitbart years ago at Breitbart and um, and then a, a, a person named Nick Fuentes who nobody's really ever heard of except for, um, you know, the Southern Poverty Law Center and Media Matters. Right. So he's this like obscure white supremacist that these progressive lefty groups use to say all Republicans are like this guy, even though no one really knows who he is. I I mean, I know his name. I'm sure you know his name. You've heard his name over the years, but you wouldn't know him if you walked, if he was walking next to you on the street. You know, yeah. I have no idea, no idea what I've never met him. I don't think I've ever met him. I, I don't know. So, the, so Kanye um, has these two grifters basically attached to him now because Kanye's going to run for president, I guess in 2024. And he just brought them along. He didn't tell Trump, apparently. And so they go have a dinner. And of course, these fame whores immediately let everyone know that they just had dinner with Donald Trump to like give them status. And that was what, three days, four days, news cycle of everybody flipping out. Because again, Milo, who I'm not really sure what Milo's been up to, he's been basically unpersoned from all social media and media outlets. So mm -hmm. um, I don't know what he's up to. He was a very flamboyant gay man and very provocative. I don't know. Now he's like, I saw him on Tim Pool's show a couple of weeks ago and he was like very, seemed very religious and Catholic, which I thought was kind of interesting with the gay thing, but maybe he's, I don't know. Maybe he's not gay anymore. I, I I don't know. But anyway, so they immediately told the world that they had dinner with Donald Trump at Mar-a-Lago and the media, of course, took its chum in the water for them. Right. Mm -hmm. They love it because really Donald Trump is the greatest thing that's ever happened to the media. So they love this stuff. They get to get all hysterical and noble and write about the threats to democracy because Donald Trump had dinner with like, you know, this un unknown white supremacist and. Uh, Milo it's and Kanye. Fuentes, like 24 years old. I, yeah. I honestly don't know anything about him. People were posting stuff. He says like insane stuff like women should be burned at the stake as witches or something. I don't know. He's obviously either very disturbed young man or he is like a just troll. a provocateur, a troll, right? Yeah. But he has no influence anywhere, does he? Like, no. What does he have? Like Look. some little group of, of, like-minded trolls who don't so i mean he he has no platform it's not like he leads a little group like a gestapo or something yeah. i'm not defending the guy i don't know anything about him but right well, it certainly does not warrant the outcry for days that we've heard since this dinner happened well you have to remember that the media uses people like this and they point to him and say this is all republicans right like Again, you don't you don't 
if I said, where's Nick Fuentes? Like, what, what's he up to? What's he writing about? Whereas you wouldn't even know where to find him. I know I wouldn't. I mean, I don't, I don't know what, what does he write for a website? I don't, I just don't, I don't know him. I mean, I do know people who are influential, like in MAGA movement and GOP circles. They don't, they don't know who he is either. I mean, but the reason it's in the news is because the media and these fake hate group watch hate watch groups have always used people like Nick Fuentes. They know who he is um, and held him up as the symbol of all of us and said, well, you know, he's a Trump supporter, like, and all the MAGA Trump supporters are there. Ergo, they are like Nick Fuentes who, and again, most people don't, don't know who he is. I, I don't know him one way or the other. I, I honestly don't even know what he says. I just think it's, typical of the media to go call something like when they go to 4chan and find some comment and then they say oh they said this and then it's like oh all republicans say this um and then of course the game is then we go to elected officials and we make them renounce the party they have to renounce it you know um but we never see uh the media every every republican including mitch mcconnell has stepped up and denounced this dinner and supremacy and blah 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 yes but we never have the media ask chuck schumer what does he think about ilan omar's anti-semitic remarks like we they we never see the other side of it you know where everybody has to step on on the right and come out immediately with their statement they're shocked horrified they denounce it but the left just has some of the most disgusting actual jew haters racists um, on the planet and they're never called to account for it. So we've just had all this sturm und drang and wailing and lamenting and the media going crazy um, about this meeting. Honestly, I don't know why Trump even bothered to meet with Kanye. I mean, he himself is in some trouble. Um, right. In the media too. He seems to have some problems with the Jews, my people. Um, and I can say as a Jew, I am not part of any sort of moneyed cabal of rich people who control the world. If if you are listening and you are in that group, hit me up. I'm I'm open to that. But I'm not quickly immediately. I'm not getting paychecks from any entity that's controlling and pulling strings. But you know, he's obviously Kanye's been under has been got himself in a lot of trouble talking about the Jews in the music industry, I guess. Um, and so, I mean, I don't, I, I'm not sure why Trump took that meeting at all either, but you know, here we are. So there's a news cycle for four freaking days. Yes. Well, you know, so many other relevant things are happening, but you know, Liz, moving on to Republicans, is there a bigger group of more useless, pathetic, craven human beings horrible. than Senate Republicans? No, Mm-mm. they're horrible. It's so upsetting, especially they took that vote on the um the marriage. The, right. It was the same sex marriage. The issue always with same sex marriage for people is how do you balance same sex marriage and also religious liberty? Because there are people who are religious. And in the course of their business, they do not want to participate in certain things that violate their religious conscience. And we we all saw this with Bake the Cake, right? Bake the Cake. That's right. Which was a setup. 
Okay. Because as we, I'm sure as all our listeners know, um, it, I find it hard to believe that you, that no, you no a, a, a groom or two grooms could not find a gay wedding vendor. <laughs> I mean, that is a gay industry, lots of gay people. Um, and I love the gays. I'll say that I'm a big, big lover of gay people. Liz is, um, <laughs> But, you know, they wanted to force somebody to make a cake for them. They didn't want to go across the street and get a wedding cake. They wanted to make this guy bake the cake for him. And he said, I would sell, I'll sell you anything, but I'm just not going to make a cake for your event. And so there are a lot of circumstances that there are instances where like similar circumstances come up and there has always been protection for people that have a religious conscience in certain ways. Again, do you remember Hobby Lobby and the birth control and how Hobby Lobby said they would provide birth control, but they weren't going to provide abortifacients, which is terminating a fertilized egg, which is, you know, an embryo that terminates that. They would prevent, you know, getting pregnant. But once you conceived an embryo, you know, a fetus, they weren't going to pay for any, destruction of that like terminating that with pills or the morning after pill or I don't know if the morning after pills included in that but this is kind of a big deal and we had 12 Republicans that were just like no you know of course Mitt Romney was one Susan Collins um there's a whole bunch of them um really Um, disgusting and I mean three or four of them who retire who are retiring right was it Roy Blunt yeah um Tom Tillis, I think, who else is leaving? Probably Rob Portman. You know, the late Shelby. Yeah. Who? Yes. I think Shelby is leaving. Um, And he, I can't remember that everyone on the list, but again, it's like to me, and again, as somebody who I am, I like, I like the gays. So I'm, I'm not, you know, sure. I'm not anti-gay. I I love the gays. So homophobic. Right. We need to like balance that. I don't think it's too much of a concession to say that, you know, artists, you, you can't force, you couldn't force like a, a, a Jewish cantor to go sing in a mosque. Right. So why would you force a Catholic baker who didn't want to bake a cake for a wedding? Go to another baker. I mean, I, I, I want to think that we can come to some agreement where everybody can 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 coexist. Um, but the left isn't interested in coexisting. They're interested in forcing submission. Um, and of course, the Republican senators are more than happy to serve it up and throw their uh, people who just voted for some of them back in office under the bus. And that's just the beginning of it. Yeah, so. it's um, um, it, it, it's just maddening, right? It's absolutely maddening. And quite frankly, Liz, there's no reason for anyone to cheer for Herschel Walker to win the Georgia Senate race if these people should not be rewarded with any sort of power, right? Like, why? Well, I mean, they do make that argument. They say, well, if we have a 50-50, we'll have um, committee, It'll the committees will be more evenly distributed, the Senate committees. Okay, but for what? What, what did they do these for the haven't past- earned their nut. They haven't earned their nut. It's like... Tell me why it's going to be better as Republicans for it to be 50-50 and not 51-49. Like what, based on the track record, they vote like Democrats when they are, you know, so what's the difference? Well, okay, they've passed, basically approved every single Biden appointee that requires Senate appoint uh, approval. 
um, including people like Merrick Garland and Lisa Monaco, who got, I believe, almost unanimous Republican support to take over DOJ at number two. Um, now they're talking about an omnibus spending bill instead of um, a continuing resolution to wait till the new House yeah. gets in so they can chop up the spending. So Mitch McConnell has already said, oh, we have an agreement. In his press conference yesterday, as he opened with his condemnation of the Mar-a-Lago dinner, then moved straight into his priorities, which was what? What did he name as his top priority in accomplishing? Is it funding Ukraine? I hope yes. so. More money for Ukraine. They are contemptible people and his little toadies who stand behind him, Joni Ernst, who has to be just one of the most useless human beings. Uh, John Thune, Roy Blunt, who luckily is on his way out and will be replaced with Eric Schmidt, who is the attorney general from Missouri, who filed that lawsuit against the Biden regime. He actually seems pretty based. Um, Who else are little toadies? John Thune, that Barrasso guy. They're almost all of them are. Basically, it's quicker to just say who's not a toady because almost all of them are toadies. Now, hopefully, J.D. Vance, he's going into the Senate. So, you know, I want to be a little hopeful about J.D. Vance. Um, I think. Ted Cruz sometimes, Mike Lee sometimes. Mike Lee's the one who offered the amendment that would protect religious liberty on this defensive marriage legislation. And um and Rand sometimes. <clears throat> but I think the rest of them, they're they're all in the uniparty. They're they're not dependable. So they're it's it's it, they're just completely, completely out of touch with the GOP base completely out of touch i feel like at this Um, point liz they're actually just they have such contempt for the maga base that they're just flaunting it now like i think mitch mcconnell actually gets off standing in front of a microphone and talking about the fuentes dinner and white supremacy has no place in the party even though didn't you give a big send-off to your buddy robert bird like a decade oh yeah Oh, and sure. how anyone who does this should not be president. Well, Mitch McConnell, you have one vote as a United States citizen. You don't tell the rest of us. And this is going to backfire. They don't learn anything, right? Nope. All this does is fire up the MAGA base, is circle the wagons around Trump, because this yep. is worked in 2016, is that he is the viewed probably wrongly now, six years later, as, you know, the only guy who could take on the establishment and win. So this backfires every time. But but it, it does. No reason. I, for I've this. often wondered what percentage of support for Trump is from people who are forced to defend him against the crazy behavior of other Republicans and the and the delusional Trump deranged left and the never Trumpers. I mean, I think it's a lot of people. Um I, I really do. They Trump likes Trump really plays up being victimized by them and like fighting back. That's almost his that's his shtick, right? Is that he's gonna say the things that the other people aren't gonna say to 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 these to these uh, to the McConnells and to the um to the Democrats. And that's his shtick, and they keep giving him opportunities to do it. Well, at the same time, being so insane, it really forces people to come in and defend Trump um, <clears throat> against it. And it, it's, you know, it's it's crazy. It's 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 crazy situation. But the the senator, a bunch of senators, just got reelected, and the people that they hold their hold their nose about and look down upon, they they 
they talk the talk when it's campaign season to get back into office. And then, of course, they get back in and it's like, uh, you know, they're back in back in the seat of power and they just don't care. Terrible. It's so 2024. I think there are there's a lot more Democrats up for reelection in the Senate than Republicans. But there are definitely quite a few who need to be primaried and lose. Um, And so, you know, this has to be the focus. And, you know, for whatever it's worth, I think the Rick Scott challenge to Mitch McConnell was totally performative. I don't think it was legitimate. It was like, oh, look, someone's going to take on Mitch McConnell. Oh, he lost. Oh, boy. Rick Scott was head of the Senate um, National Republican Senate Committee. He's the one who said they wouldn't give any money to except for incumbents. Right. Republican incumbents. So. He's this is all just performance. There's no legitimate challenge to Mitch McConnell's reign. We have to just focus on in 2024 primarying um, these uh, Repub- these these feckless, craven uh, Republican senators. Useless. Really, they're just useless. I mean, you just don't really represent. They don't represent their, the party. Um, no. They don't represent the party and they don't represent what people think is important. I mean, just to quote, I think it was Ann Coulter said that or maybe someone else um, about how Trump like just basically just saw a hundred dollar bill on the floor and picked it up. And that was that he just knew all the issues people cared about that were being entirely ignored for all their elected officials. You know, pretty simple. Stop the wars. um, Stop the illegal immigration, um, you know, and basically stood up for people that have been ridiculed and the object of derision by the elitists that run our country. And because it was just there for the taking, because nobody else was interested in, you know, taking that that platform and moving forward. And it's apparent even now Trump's out of power and, you know, McConnell's doing McConnell thing. You know, McCarthy is pretending to kind of be uh, be cool, but he's he's got a, a much smaller margin than he was expected to have as leader. And I don't think anyone's going to challenge him. I think he technically there's another vote. I think that has to happen in January, but you know, he's going to probably just sail in. Nobody's the problem with overthrowing a leader like McCarthy and a leader like McConnell is, you know, you've heard of that saying, when you come for the King, you have to kill him. You Mm -hmm. can't wound him. And so if you, someone were to go against a McConnell, like Rick Scott, I'm not defending necessarily defending Rick Scott. I'm just saying if he seriously went after McConnell, then, and if he didn't win and it would be hard and people wouldn't necessarily support him because once you cross Mitch McConnell, guess what committee assignments you're on? You're on like the garbage can committee. You know, you're not on Senate (laughs) Intel. Yeah. You're on the underwater basket weaving committee, but you're not on Homeland security. So it really has to be orchestrated way in advance. And also a lot of these, I've said this before on the show, and I'm going to say it again, a lot of these people in the Senate, Republican senators, they're just happy to be in the Senate. They don't give a shit if they're in the majority. They don't want to have responsibility of being in the majority. They have their pin. They get treated special. They're in the club. Why rock the boat? Right. Right. They're just happy to, they're just, they get, you know, they get their big salary. They have a nice office. Senate officers are so much, offices are so much nicer than the House. Um, they are 
where they're pinned around town. Everybody kisses their ass. They have a lot of benefits. You know, why, why risk that? Why get uncomfortable? You know, why be like Ted Cruz? Now, I don't, I don't know if this is still the case, but I know years ago, I mean, nobody would talk to Ted Cruz. Like he could literally couldn't eat in the Senate cafeteria because nobody would sit with him. (laughs) Right. That's not a joke. So nobody wants to be that way. They all, they all want to be on the same team. So, you know, as we always say here as a, as a theme on happy hour with Julian Liz, you know, ripping on the elected Republicans is they are just a big fat disappointment. I wonder, Julie, if, it's just the party needs to be people just need to leave the party and there needs to be a new party. I, I I don't even know. I've never really been a big supporter of that, but I feel like we're in a box otherwise. Well, it looks like, though, on the House side, there is somewhat of a legitimate challenge to Kevin McCarthy for Speaker of the House. Now, this could go badly because there's rattlings that some Republicans are going to reach across the aisle to find friendly Democrats to vote for McCarthy. But I think Chip Roy, Andy Biggs is challenging him. People like Chip Roy are supportive of that. Um, We are not fans of Kevin McCarthy at all. So I like the idea of a challenge. What I do think the challenge is doing, even if it's unsuccessful, which it probably will be, is it is pushing McCarthy into a more like MAGA-ish mode. So you see him now talking about things that the base cares about, not reading the Constitution on the floor of the House when they take power, which he said, um, but ramping up these investigations. And so you see now he's talking about telling the January 6th committee, preserve your records. He said today on Thursday, December 1st, that they're going to actually investigate the committee itself. Um, so I think that he's getting the message. I think people like Marjorie Taylor no. Green backed Kevin McCarthy. No. What? No. Did you he's not. Him? He's not. He's going to say this until he's elected. Because think of the position he's in. So, no, he's, Julie, no. He's saying this because he needs to have it formalized that he's Speaker of the House. Because if you have someone like Andy Biggs, right, who do you think the Democrats would rather have as Speaker of the House? Kevin McCarthy or Andy Biggs? Kevin McCarthy. For sure. And Kevin McCarthy knows he's he's in a lot of trouble if he gets that job because Democrats voted for him. He's in a lot of trouble. So he's going to say all as much things as he has to to, like, quell this Biggs uprising. But I tell you, once he's got that, he's not going to do anything. And the, and the thing is, too, remember, what does that look like when it happens? Let's say he's going to follow through on what he says. What are these committees going to do? They're going to have an investigation and what, refer them to the DOJ? Okay. Well, right. I mean, the That's DOJ just... should be under investigation. <laughs> right. It's like, come on. So – I, I don't I don't think it's going to happen. Remember, we had the select committee on Benghazi and Trey Gowdy. You know, he knew what the assignment was. You know, we had a fake committee committee yeah. set up. Yes. Nothing came of it. And they could say, well, we had a select committee on Benghazi. What do you want? What else do you want? You know, we said we were going to do it. That is the kind of the kind of thing that's going to happen. And they have no power. They can't enforce their subpoenas. They're not going to enforce subpoenas the way that Merrick Garland enforced the subpoenas of the of the House J6 committee. 
they're not going to be they're, it's not going to be enforced the same way they're not commensurate um no you're i hate to say that you're right and i i do think liz that he will have that inclination to talk a good game right now and then when they actually have it go into the the voters want us to move on from January 6th. They don't want all these investigations. They want us to fix the border yeah. and inflation and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I don't think the radical MAGA types like MTG or Matt Gates, and even now Jim Jordan, who is releasing all these letters, he just released a letter yesterday about the looking into the FBI's confidential human source, i.e. informant program, which is totally corrupt. Um, so... I, I don't think this is where we were in, say, 2016, 2017, 2018, when Devin Nunes was basically a man on an island doing all the heavy lifting on his own while his own party Republican colleagues were trying to take him out, sidelined him with an ethics investigation. I just think the evidence is so overwhelming now. The support is so much more on our side to finally take some action that I think it'll be hard for McCarthy to scuttle this, even though he'll want to do it. Well, I will say this. There's Jim Jordan isn't going to be head of the Judiciary Committee without something that Kevin McCarthy got from Jim Jordan. <laughs> so, yeah, you, these people don't get these these powerful positions without paying a price. And the price is that you play the game. And maybe I'm just that skeptical and cynical, but I am. So I don't I don't see them going balls deep the way the Democrats did on the J6 committee, where they just did all sorts of crazy things and gutsy things like kick all the Republicans off and just unilaterally have what was illegitimate, an illegitimate committee, right? A totally illegitimate committee because it wasn't bipartisan and, you know, start cracking skulls. So that's not going to happen this time. And I, again, Jim Jordan isn't he going to be the head of the um, justice, the um, the uh, House on, on judicial, on judiciary f for nothing. He there is a price to be paid to get that position. So I'm going to say it here. I'm going to give everyone a heads up. If anyone thinks there's going to be any kind of revenge or any justice because the GOP took the House. I'm, I have a bridge to sell you in Brooklyn. That's uh, you mark my words. Well, now you've now you've ticked me off. I'm sorry. Twice now. What our happy hour is not very happy. I'm very unhappy. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could move on to like a little bit of good news that we have to talk about. Are you? Okay. Do you want to move on? Are you ready to move move on? I'm ready. I'm going to give you one last chance to redeem yourself. Because you're like, I'm crying. I'm ready. <laughs> um, we've been, I have, I personally have been very impressed with one Elon Musk and mm -hmm. the work he is doing at Twitter, his new company that is privately owned by him. Um, don't you think he's been really uh, rattling some cages? The left is just freaking out. They are so worried about the danger of having an even keel playing field <laughs> politically they are worried um so some of the latest things with elon is that he um got rid of all the child porn that 
our moral superiors had allowed to be on the platform since it started. There's a huge child porn problem on the internet, and there was a problem with it on Twitter, and they could never fix it, allegedly, but Elon apparently got rid of a lot of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Didn't seem that hard. So that's a plus. And the other thing is, I guess he's being he's going to be prepared to release documents showing how Twitter interfered in the past elections um, and and kind of put their thumb on the scale. So I'm, are you looking forward to that, Julie? I know I am. I definitely am. You know, I think what Elon Musk is doing now is what Trump did in 2015, 2016 and afterwards, which is he's a clarifying factor. Right. He is exposing the deviancy, the hypocrisy, the authoritarian impulses of the ruling class. That's this includes the White House, who's now actively saying that they're monitoring Twitter, Democratic lawmakers like Elizabeth Warren, who's suggesting that, you know, they're keeping an eye on Twitter, possibly could investigate. And of course, the journalists media echo chamber who first were mad that they were going to have to pay $8 a month for their blue check mark and now are threatening, you know, that this is some sort of that he's he's violating free speech provisions, which, of course, is the exact opposite. What I love about Elon Musk, which Trump sort of had at the beginning, but he's lost it and you can't really blame him for being totally jaded and just a crabby old man ranting at Mar-a-Lago, is his use of humor like his use of memes, he engages people on the right, which drives the left crazy. Like you're not no. supposed to even acknowledge that, uh, you know, Mike Cernovich or Jack Posobiec or Liz Wheeler or um, who are some of the other people like Andy No, You're not. Yeah, supposed he's to actually eat. talking to people. He's actually engaging them on Twitter and it makes the left crazy because they've ghosted this side, right? We don't exist. And so the fact that Elon Musk actually engages them, sends them more followers, of course, he reinstated Donald Trump's account. Trump hasn't tweeted. He probably won't because, of course, he's an investor in Truth Social, the competitor. Um, But he's bringing back all of these accounts. And he also now has removed the misinformation label related to COVID. Because all the accounts that the white Biden White House actually wanted deplatformed, they were canceled. But it turns out, of course, those people were right. <laughs> it's not a vaccine. It doesn't prevent transmission. It doesn't prevent you from getting sick. It doesn't even prevent you from dying and social distancing and everything else that we now know is a total farce. So they're removing these labels. He's adding back all of these accounts that are very controversial. I think he already he also is deplatforming Antifa accounts that were threatening people like Andy No. Um, so and and he, to your point, is going to expose the the collaboration uh, that Twitter execs had with um, the government to interfere in the 2020 election. At the same time, there's this lawsuit, Missouri versus Biden that's doing the very same thing. And so you could really have the shitstorm but at the beginning of the year when Republicans take over depositions for this lawsuit, Anthony Fauci already test, already gave his deposition. Of course, he forgot a lot of things. Um, Jen Psaki is fighting her deposition. That's probably gonna move forward anyway. But you're gonna have these two huge bombshells, whatever Musk releases 
and whatever comes out of these depositions and as this lawsuit progresses. And the American people and, of course, Republicans are going to have to confront this unprecedented scandal of the real collusion, which was not the Trump campaign in Russia in 2016, but it is big tech and the federal agencies and then the Biden White House, probably in this election, too, but certainly in, in 2020, not the Biden White House, but federal agencies. Well, again, I mean, I'm going to be a, a wet blanket here and say, yes, I think it's very important for all of this information to be disclosed. The question is, what will happen as a result of it being disclosed? Because look at the, just another example, similar example that has, has been acknowledged and taken two years. Um, the Hunter Biden laptop, where mm-hmm. what was it? 51 intelligence, ex-intelligence or current intelligence uh, experts said it looked like Russian disinformation. And gradually, media outlets, I think the New York Times, NBC a couple weeks ago agreed, yes, this is actually Hunter Biden's laptop. Okay, but like, where where are the consequences for them professionally? They're, like, there's no consequences. So what are the consequences of whatever Elon Musk reveals um, from the Twitter conversations, which is almost certainly ha- the government telling them who to ban, what to ban, um, and who what to to uh, shadow ban and what to to um, like hide or suppress. Um, what will be the consequences for that? What is the Republican House going to do? Um, are they going to refer it to the DOJ for prosecution? Because having the government tell Twitter and Facebook and Instagram uh, what th- that they have to suppress or silence or delete or ban people is a straight up civil liberty violation. It's a civil violation of our First Amendment rights, which is that even though Twitter and these companies are are not government entities, having the government use them as cutouts to silence people is a, a, a very obvious violation. But then wh- what is the consequences? I mean, again, it's good for people to know, but will there be, con- are people going to go to jail? Well, that's just it, Liz. What are the consequences? So you can expose all of this. We already know. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg told Joe Rogan, yes, we were were informed by the FBI in October of 2020 that this was misinformation, disinformation. We know the agents who met with social media companies, Elvis Chan out of the San Francisco field office and this Laura Demolo, who's on one of Christopher Ray's made up foreign influence election commission or task force, something along those lines. And so they've already bragged, Elvis Chan bragged in 2020 that he was in communication routinely with the social media companies under his purview, not to investigate big tech's interference in election or suppressing the 1A rights of Americans. No, they were in cahoots with Of course, the San Francisco FBI field office sits right in the middle of Silicon Valley, 300 plus big tech companies right there, not to investigate, to act as the conduit between Washington and big tech. It's really disturbing, but we can't redo the 2020 election, right? Who is going to be held accountable? I mean, even people like Elvis Chan, who are sitting for depositions, it's a civil lawsuit. It's not criminal. So once again, We find out all the information. No one pays a price. They do it again on steroids in the 2024 election. Yeah, I I, I 
something, I, I think something needs to get, I mean, the more these things are allowed to continue and they escalate every time they are go, they, they go unpunished, these discretions, these violations, um, it only, the, the, the left, the permanent bureaucracy, the deep state, whatever, if they just escalate to the next level. I mean, what what were the consequences of the we have the Durham investigation, which kind of is a joke. Um, all of the outrageous, illegal things that were done to American citizens um, under the Russia collusion hoax, the attempt for someone to literally try and overthrow an elected president. Uh, you know, was anyone punished? No. I mean, Paul Manafort got in trouble for FARA violations, spent, did prison time. But, you know, did any of did Peter Strzok, did any of these uh, uh, conspirators go get punished for what they did? No, they didn't. Um, the one person who was uh, actually convicted of what, what oh, I can't even remember his name. There's so many of these fuckers out there who uh, forged the CIA email so they could get a FISA on Carter Page and use oh, that to wow. spy on Trump. Not he, He's already, he's back. He's not disbarred. Kleinsmith. I mean, Kleinsmith. Klein, Kevin Kleinsmith, right. He's, um, he's back practicing law. I mean, he's, he's fine. So, um, but Liz, but, but Liz, it if you, if you walk the, go ahead. No, I, I mean, it escalates the point where the next thing is, we're, we're, the next thing is, we're just going to tell tech companies who needs to shut up, who they need to shut up for us. You know, what's the next thing that's going to happen? And that that's my concern. And people see this. And when uh, I swear I say this every week, when people do not have any faith in the system, that is when things get lawless. I agree. On a whole level. If you do walk into a public government building unarmed and wearing any sort of military garb, then that's when you commit seditious conspiracy. Not when you actually are trying to undermine the will of the American people, interfere in election and install a senile old man who campaigned from his basement and protect his family's overseas grift. But if you're, say, an oath keeper, a military vet, you have no weapons. You don't assault anyone. You go into a you building. You have no evidence. There's no written evidence of a conspiracy. There's none. Of people planning. There's none. And the government actually tells a jury, well, it's conspiracy, but it could it could happen at that very moment that they enter a building. That's the conspiracy. And it doesn't have to be a plan. It doesn't even have to be communicated. It can be implicit. I guess it could, you could be, be like, spontaneous. Julia, it could be a spontaneous plan <laughs> it's a spontaneous treason attempted coup we just telepathically said it to each other on the steps of the capitol of course i'm referring to the conviction this week of two members of the oath keepers uh its founder stuart rhodes and another man kelly meggs um of the exceedingly rare charge seditious conspiracy no american has ever been convicted of it and but here we have two convictions, thanks to a D.C. jury. It was a preposterous case. It was a preposterous trial. Government lawyers, unsurprisingly, lying repeatedly. Most of the evidence had to do with text messages, private on encrypted chats, Facebook messages, some videos. Stuart Rhodes is a crazy man, but not a criminal. 
and well, now he's a criminal. Um, so two men convicted, three men acquitted of seditious conspiracy, five, all five of them in this particular trial convicted of obstruction of an official proceeding, which Liz, why this continues the dangerous traje- trajectory that we're on is we have now turned political protest into a felony punishable by 20 years in prison, which is this obstruction charge, which is a post Enron law, as we've talked about repeatedly, has to do with tampering with evidence, not protesting or disrupting a government meeting, which a lot of people think, you know, is our birthright, is protected under the First Amendment, as long as you're not, you know, hauling lawmakers out and doing anything to them. So this is just more of a dangerous pathway. So now, they have codified seditious conspiracy, further criminalizing political protest, not even saying it has to be a specific plan. It can just be something that happens that minute, that moment, or just later the government describes it that way. And these people completely have their lives destroyed and are branded as traitors, basically. Right. Well, that was the objective of this. All right. It was to make political um, opposition illegal, basically. Uh, and so here we are. I mean, they got what they wanted. We knew what they were going to do. Um, and I think they they had <clears throat> it was always the plan to do this. And, and you know, it's going to keep going. I mean, even though the J6 committee is done because the, the Democrats don't control the House anymore, the DOJ is going to going to keep on moving. I mean, I assume they're still arresting people. Is that right, Julie? They just arrested two more men on Tuesday of this week. So here we are, almost two years later, still tracking down, I'll call them Biden protesters. That's what they were there for to protest the election. Um, Can't find the pipe bomber, but they can still find trespassers now almost two years later. You're right. It's not going to end. Um even if the J6 committee ends, obviously, we, we now have a special counsel, Jack Smith, who's been appointed to investigate Trump. What could be left to investigate in January 6th? Who knows? Um, but no, they're still they are still criminalizing political dissent. And it just took a whole different leap with the convictions this week. Well, that's <clears throat> I thought we were on a happy note, but now we're 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 back to depressing note well, to end of the show. Some- there is a little bit of uh, we see some political courage in China right now. Um, residents yeah. who are I mean, this looks like dystopian times, like a movie. It doesn't look real. But these people are finally standing up to these just deep. They're not even dehumanizing. What would you call what they're attempting to do over there? I, 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 mean, I can't even think of a, a good word. I, I, I there the protests started these the latest round of protests started because in one of the provinces, I can't remember which one. Well, I should start by saying China, <clears throat> China has a zero covid policy, which is stupid. Impossible. Um, but basically, it's just so ridiculous that in, in order to control covid, they they have to like solder people into their homes so they can't leave to contain any possible infection. And so there was a fire and a bunch of people were basically burned alive because they were soldered into their apartments Mm. because of COVID and people objected because they are locked. They're locked down. They are physically locked away, locked down. They can't go out. They can't walk their dog. 
they have their food brought to them. People who have jobs can't, they, I mean, they're losing money if they, they need to work, they can't go to work. And I think people have just had enough of being locked down. And so they're finally protesting. <clears throat> I don't know how long it can go on. One of the things that's interesting is, I, I want to mention this because I think it's so important for people to remember what a despicable, hateful company Apple is. Um, Apple, uh, who has a lot of factories in China, and of course, China is a huge market for for uh, for Apple, iPhone, et cetera, that the government of China forced them to do an update to operating system that prevented people with iPhones from using um, AirDrop, which is a feature where phones can communicate directly with each other and they don't need to go through the internet. And the reason that's important is that China controls the internet. So everything is surveilled. But if you're able to elude that surveillance, people who are dissidents are able to communicate directly with each other using their iPhones and they're outside of the watchful eye of the Chinese government. Well, Apple did the bidding of the Chinese government and did an update only to people in China to remove the ability to do have that communication um, so that the dissidents couldn't communicate safely with one another, you know, and they went along with it. And so the protesters are in the streets and they're just holding up blank pieces of paper because they're not allowed to say anything. They can't, they don't have any, everything is surveilled there. So they have no means of communication without you know, the government having records or seeing it. And so I guess the only thing they could do is stand up and hold a white piece of paper. So, and isn't this the same Apple that's threatening to remove the Twitter app from its store? Yes. Elon Musk is too far for them. You know, um, the CCP, it's not, that's not. not. But Elon Musk allowing free speech, yes. That's that's the line for Apple. Remember, I want to remind everybody when we had a terrorist attack and I believe it was San Bernardino, California, we had two radical Muslim freaks shoot up their workplace and they I guess they got the feds got an iPhone from one of the killers and Apple would not help them un right. unlock and decrypt the phone so that they could find out information about maybe there was an other attacks. Perhaps Apple refused to do that. They refused to work with the U.S. government. Now, of course, Israelis, the Jews, again, we always return to the Jews. The Jews bra broke it, you know, for for the for our government, of course. Um, but, you know, the, Apple was not interested in helping the U.S. government, but very interested in helping the Chinese government. So let's keep it in perspective. Well, and, you know, these are the same tech companies now gleefully handing over information on geofence warrants about cell phone users on January 6th and platforms handing over private messages, restoring accounts that have been deleted to produce evidence against trespassers. But what's also interesting, Liz, this is the White House refusing to support uh, what's happening in China. And now you have the White House um, refusing to interfere in or comment on what Apple is doing to cut off this communication among the Chinese protesters. Yeah, I mean, just, it's just nasty. It is. Sick. All right, before we go, we do have something funny. <laughs> we okay. do have something amusing, entertaining to talk about, and that is the dude who stole the Vera Bradley bag off the air from at the airport, who is the I'm freaky. sorry. Did you just say it was a dude? 
because it's actually <laughs> non-binary. a non-binary. Um, I'm not really sure how to even use the English language to talk about this person because I just it doesn't make sense the pronoun. So the, his name is Sam Brinton. He has a mustache, so he's a dude. Okay, he probably has a penis, so he's a dude. Um, he uh, is a Biden administration political appointee. <clears throat> he is the deputy assistant secretary of spent fuel and waste disposition in the energy department's office of nuclear energy. So again, this is Joe Biden. This 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 person is non-binary, wears dresses, high heels, makeup, has a mustache, is bald, uh, likes to be spanked and play with like people pretending like they're dogs. I mean, this is some weird shit. I'm sorry. Oh I'm, and I'm very libertarian on stuff, but I'm just like, all right, whatever. Anyway, right. the story is so crazy. Apparently, this this dude got busted for stealing a Vera Bradley roller bar roller bag. Um, which now I want to. The thing that I find most funny, and, and I know a lot of people aren't going to find this as funny because they don't get it, and they're not a girl. This is something like women would know. Vera Bradley is basically your Midwest boomer aesthetic, okay? <laughs> no self-respecting gay would steal a Vera Bradley bag. It's just, they wouldn't. I Like I said, I have a lot of gay friends. If they stole, like, a Remova, like, a luggage or something, I could, okay, I could understand that. A Vera Bradley bag? Now, it's, it's reported the bag is worth $2,300. It isn't. Vera Bradley is not $2,300. Is that even possible? No, it's not it's like three. It's it's three hundred dollars. But I guess the the value of the bag was like the clothes. Maybe she had jewelry oh, okay. and shoes in the bag. I can assure you, Vera Bradley bag is not twenty three hundred dollars. Okay, um, but he stole the bag. He was caught on video stealing the bag, taking off the name tag, and it turns out he wasn't even at the airport like to travel. He just like went to the airport and stole someone's luggage, and then took off the name tag and then used the bag himself. Like it, in the, this was a couple months ago, but had used the bag to like travel around himself and pretended that he accidentally like picked up the wrong luggage, but he wasn't on, he had no luggage to pick up, but also this isn't a case of somebody like picking up the wrong black suitcase. This is a flower pattern, right? <laughs> this is like a, <laughs> that's right. It's not like here's my black to me. I picked up the wrong black to me. There's ten thousand others on right. Exactly. It's right. It's not exactly. It's not like a Samsonite black, you know, roller luggage or to me or something. No, it's a brightly colored, flowered pattern. It her stuff is made almost like with quilt fabric. Right. You know, I think my my description is right. It's like a midwestern boomer aesthetic. so it's not an accident. You don't pick up the wrong black piece of luggage. This is a very identifiable. But that's what he claimed. But I mean, it, they, he kept getting called on it. So apparently he's suspended right now. Um, I love this news article where it says he, the video footage surveillance shows him removing the luggage tag and putting it in his purse. <laughs> it's just like so weird to listen. Oh, my God. To talk about it. And he... And then he just went on to use use the luggage. So he is suspended from uh, his job right now with the Biden administration. 
and well, I'm, um, sure I'm sure he'll get it back. He, it, whatever he is. Yeah, I'm sure um, he'll get his job back for sure. Um, very weird. So that's like, there's a lot of jokes about that going on because it's pretty funny. But uh, so that, I guess that is a happy note that we end happy hour on. Um, thank you so much for listening. Julie, are we going to be here next week? Probably. We are. We are going to be here. So we will be here next week. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't subscribed, happy hour with Julie and Liz, and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. We'll see you next week.